Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Director's Cut, your one-stop shop for all the latest trends and discussion on all matters relating to sport and exercise science, strength and conditioning, and healthy living. I am your host, Tim Hanway, the Sports Performance Director here at Stack Velocity in Norwood, Massachusetts. Today I am joined by a very special guest. She happens to be a Level 2 Biosignature Modulation Practitioner. She's a holistic nutrition coach. And she also is a certified personal trainer that is starting to take the Boston fitness world by storm. She also happens to be my wife. So I would like to provide a warm welcome to Jennifer Hanway. Hi, Tim. Hi, Jenny. Jen. I don't know. I'm not used to, I don't know what to call you. It's, this is nervous. All right. Anyway, uh, Jen, you know, one of the things anytime I get a, a guest on this podcast is I like to just start off by just having the person kind of just you know, take us briefly on your journey. You know, how did you get here? How did you get to, to doing what you're effectively doing, especially in the health and fitness world? So I guess like a lot of practitioners in the holistic health fields, I came into this looking for answers for my own health issues. Ever since I was a child, I've suffered with poor gut health, poor digestion, um, some weight issues, not really knowing how to feed myself and how to nourish myself. Um, and this went on for kind of many years to the point where I had tests for colitis, um, IBS, Crohn's disease, nothing came out with any real answers. Um, at the same time that I was kind of frustrated with the conventional medicine, medical system, I started working with someone who was a biosignature practitioner and I consulted under them for a while um, saw changes in my health that I'd never seen before, changes in my health and my body, my energy levels, my mental health, um, my gut health, and decided that I wanted to be able to share this with other people. No, fantastic. And um, I mean, would you mind just expanding a little bit on what kind of biosignature is? So biosignature was originally developed by um, very famous strength and conditioning coach, Charles Poliquin who found that there were correlations between where his athletes held body fat and where their blood work was or where their blood markers was. That was kind of how biosignature started. So it was really a system of looking at hormone imbalances in the body, cortisol, estrogen, testosterone, etc. What that has expanded to today is very much a scientific way of looking at holistic health. So as a biosignature practitioner, I'm going to look at things that maybe a conventional nutritionist or even doctor would not look at. So I'm going to look at gut health. I'm going to look at quality of sleep. I'm going to look at cortisol levels. I'm going to look at digestion. I'm going to look at estrogen levels, testosterone levels, all of those kind of things. No, it makes sense. And I think that ties into kind of this holistic outlook on performance, on, on well-being, on all these things. So that brings us right to today's topic, which is all about gut health. And this is you know, a topic that even myself, I'm learning kind of more and more about. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said, you know, your your influence on this family hasn't opened my eyes profoundly to the impacts that gut health can have on health, well-being, performance, body composition. So, I mean, let's, let's start kind of there. I mean, first and foremost, well, what is your gut? So I think people think of gut as possibly their stomach, possibly what happens when they eat food, possibly what happens when they go to the bathroom. 
but we really have to think of our gut health as it's really all-encompassing. And our gut health, our journey with digestion starts before we even look at food. It's when we think about food. We start, we have so many elements of our gut health. So we start at the eyes and the nose and we go into the mouth, the pharynx, the esophagus. We then hit the stomach, which is actually a lot higher up than people think. You want to think that it's kind of in between the bottom of your ribs. Then going into the small intestine, which does most of the work, large intestine, and then the parts that we kind of deal with when we go to the restroom. And it's really such a huge part of our body that it really can't be ignored when we're looking at holistic health. No, certainly interesting, because um, I think there's always been a bit of confusion on kind of what, what your gut is. And I mean, you know, I can only draw this from popular yogurt commercials and things that kind of pop up on TV or, you know, again, ads for Pepto-Bismol and, and some of these things. So, you know, let's, let's start talking about kind of the gut in a little bit more depth, uh, you know, especially as it relates to health, well-being, you know, from an athletic standpoint kind of performance. So I think one of the things that I've kind of understood is it seems like gut health is very much a missing link for people. You know, as I was alluding to earlier, so much of sports nutrition, uh, just nutrition in general, you know, identifying the fuel that's going to, you know, set us up for success, so to speak. But... I'm under the impression that maybe we're missing a step because if we don't have proper gut health, is that going to have a knock-on impact on the nutrients that you're trying to effectively assimilate? I mean, are we missing a step? So you've got to think that it doesn't matter how much money you spend on great food, on supplements, on all of those things. If your body is not digesting it, it's not being put to any use. So you could be eating the healthiest diet ever. You could be spending hundreds of dollars of supplements on hundreds of dollars on supplements. And just if your body is not assimilating them, it's not being able to use them to break them down for energy, for muscle growth, then it's really a waste of money. So with the majority of my clients, I'm always going to look to gut health first whether that be any of my athletes, whether that be any of my fat loss clients, whether that be any of my general population clients, I want to know that before we even look at what we're putting into the body, that that is going to be put to good use. Okay. And that's very interesting. So I guess the next question is, what are some signs of poor gut health? I mean, can you look absolutely ripped? Can you have this fantastic body, but still have poor gut health? Absolutely. And something we see with a lot of bodybuilders and kind of figure athletes, bodybuilding competitors is poor gut health. Um, it is possible to look great and have poor gut health, but having great gut health will make you look even better. So some signs to look out for, and these are really things that kind of people have got used to just taking as the norm, um, but it really isn't. So indigestion, bloating after food, constipation, diarrhea, um, skin health is a big one, any rashes, eczema, acne, that's always really related to gut health headaches, low energy levels, um, not recovering properly after exercise. So if you're you know, feeling exhausted after exercise, you're not seeing that lean muscle growth or you're just not recovering and you're exhausted. If you're getting a lot of injuries, all of these things can add to, can be related to poor gut health. And that's a really fascinating, uh, you know, real point is that Again, you know, gut health is so intrinsically tied to performance, health, and well-being. And I mean, all those things that you just listed, I mean, again, just what I was saying with TV, how many commercials do we see for skincare, for, um, you know, over-the-counter drugs are going to help with digestion? Uh, it seems like these things, again, are just treating the symptoms. They're not treating the actual causes of gut health. 
I mean, am I correct in kind of assuming that? Exactly. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I look to gut health as really the first thing with all of my clients is that you've got to think you're not what you put in. It's not so much what you put in, it's what you digest. So it's not so much you are what you eat, but it's you are what you digest. So it's really getting to the root of that can really solve so many people's health problems. Interesting. Um, so let's kind of explore the gut a little bit further. And, you know, as I just mentioned, we're inundated with commercials all the time. And, you know, a popular one now are these kind of yogurts and things like that. And also this concept of probiotics. So let's kind of start there. I mean, what is a probiotic and, and what is kind of, yeah, the definition of this type of bacteria? So we have to think, kind of prefacing this, is that the human body is actually made up more of bacteria than it is human cells. So it's almost that we are a host for the bacteria rather than the other way around. And this bacteria is both good and bad. And we have something that's called the microbiome. And that can be used in terms of what we want to think of as kind of like the flora and fauna of the gut. But we also have a microbiome on our skin, um, all over our body, in our mouths, and as I say, in our gut. So probiotics, and you want to think about probiotic bacteria, is what keeps our gut healthy. So we will have a bunch of bacteria in our stomach and we'll have good bacteria and bad bacteria. And when that becomes imbalanced, that's one of the reasons why we can start to see bad gut health. The other part that we will look at is something called leaky gut. And leaky gut is a lot more common than people think. And I think anyone that lives in a city or has been through any stress or who trains in any way is likely to show some symptoms of leaky gut, which again, is what I've said before, tiredness, bloating, indigestion, gas, constipation, diarrhea, poor skin. These can all be a result of either an imbalance of bacteria or of leaky gut. Okay. And that's another kind of interesting thing as well. So now let's kind of shift direction a little bit because we will come back to kind of probiotics and also this concept of prebiotics, which I think is going to be very new for our audience. But, you know, if we look at kind of uh, typical foods, um, you know, if we do look at kind of nutrition and, and so forth, I think at least we are starting to deviate from the classical kind of food pyramid. And, you know, you are seeing a lot of uh, nutrition practitioners looking at a refined version and things. But, you know, are there foods out there that we accept as the norm that can actually be doing a lot of damage uh, to our gut that, again, are still in many circles considered kind of staple foods, but they're not. They're they're hurting us. I think, I mean, a lot of this is to do with what affects you personally, and it's looking at a difference between food allergies and food intolerances. So a food allergy is, for example, when someone is a celiac, it means that they cannot digest gluten. It doesn't, you know, that's a medical condition. Food intolerances kind of stem from a lot of things, and we can definitely be intolerant to some foods, but not allergic to them. And when we have poor gut health, we can be intolerant to a lot of foods that we're not allergic to. Once we start to heal our guts, then we might be able to tolerate those foods a little better. So the things that I take out of my client's diet when I first start working with them, the big two things, or big three things I'm taking out, I'm looking at taking out wheat and gluten, I'm looking at taking dairy, and I'm looking at taking out sugar. And just if you had to kind of summarize, what are some of the typical results you find with people, even if they are not, you know, from a medical standpoint, true celiacs and things, do you notice a, a, an impact on removing those particular products from their, from their dietary intake? 
So we start to see changes within kind of three days to a week. And we start to see clients not having bloating anymore, gas, distension of the belly, energy levels feel better. Um, so yeah, we see results really, really quickly. And just because I'm taking these foods out to start with, it doesn't mean I'm going to take them out for forever. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to take them out the diet completely. What I'm trying to do is reduce any triggers that are going to set off poor gut health and then also give the, the gut a chance to heal as well. And once you've done that work, then you may be able to bring these foods back into your diet. So it's not a life sentence. So that's, that's very interesting as well. And, you know, my limited understanding too, you know, kind of going back now to kind of more gut anatomy and things like that. And you talk about the microbiome and, and things. Are there certain, um, in addition to, I guess, removing the, the different uh, food elements you just mentioned, are there other things that we can do to kind of help uh, heal the gut, so to speak? Like I know green drinks, for example, have been prescribed by a lot of people. I mean, do you see value in, in kind of green drinks and things like that? Or is that just kind of a fad in your opinion? So there's a few things that we can look at that are pretty simple to heal the gut. So when I'm talking about leaky gut, what I'm meaning is that our gut has kind of, it should have tight walls. So it should, shouldn't have any gaps in there. And that's to allow food to pass in and pass out. When we start to have leaky gut, we see these tight junctures come to separate slightly. And what that means is that not fully, un, fully you know, undigested food particles can get through there. And what that does is the body sees that as an invader and it starts to set off an autoimmune response. So what we're really looking at is how do we, two things, how do we tighten up those junctures? How do we make the gut nice and healthy, firm? And then how do we look at balancing out that good bacteria to the bad bacteria? And there's a lot of ways we can do this that's reasonably kind of cheap and easy on your budget. One of my absolute favorite things for gut health is collagen. Um, as Tim knows, we have collagen in powder form. We take collagen tablets. It's awesome for everything. So if you want to think about collagen, it's really the building blocks of our skin and our muscles and all of our organs. So taking collagen is, it's going to help with skin, it's going to help with muscle growth, but it's also going to help rebuild the gut. So collagen, a couple of tablespoons in a smoothie, um, on cereal, in yogurt, something like that can be really, really helpful. So that's something that I use. You can also find collagen in things like bone broth. The thing is we don't tend to eat a lot of those foods these days. We tend to just eat the muscle part of the meat. So bone marrow, bone broth, all of those things are wonderful as well. So I like to use collagen. And then we want to look at what type of fiber we're getting in there. And we want to really look at fibers that are really difficult for the body to digest and to break down. And what this is going to do, it's really it's going to give your gut a workout. So you want to be thinking about kind of you know, how do I exercise my gut? And that fiber is going to be a huge, huge part of that. It's going to help keep the gut nice and active and healthy. And it's also going to help with elimination. So you're going to think of that fiber kind of expanding in your gut and then pushing everything out as well. And that's where the green smoothies come in. Um, green smoothies are different from a green juice, as in you're keeping all of the fiber in as well. And the American diet does not have enough fiber in. So we tend to do one green veggie smoothie a day. And it's, it can be kale, spinach, uh, Swiss chard, any of the greens, cucumber, celery, you can throw fennel in there, you can add some fruit in there, so adding an apple, lemon juice, that kind of thing. And that can really be a great way of getting some more veggies in and giving your gut a little bit of a workout too. So it almost sounds like if we if we do this right, 
um, you know, we are going to help really in kind of this detoxifying process if we have proper kind of gut mechanics. And it also seems to me, and I know this could be, you know, an entire podcast and, and topic of discussion, but kind of gut health and, and inflammation seem to be linked in, in certain ways. I mean, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Right. And just going back to that word detox, our body does that naturally. But what we want to do is we want to be able to give it as much of a helping hand as we can. So yes, our body does detox naturally. But if you're getting backed up in your stomach, if you're holding on to a lot of waste products, you're not helping the body do its job on its own. So this is why gut health is a big, big part of that as well. Um, when we look at the, the link between gut health and inflammation, we're really looking at the quality of foods that we're getting in. So are those foods, so foods that kind of can be inflammatory also are detrimental to gut health. And those two things go hand in hand as well. Very interesting. So let's return now to this concept of prebiotics. So we already discussed kind of probiotics and you gave us some fantastic insight into kind of some of their functionality within the gut. What's a prebiotic? So a prebiotic is the fiber that your probiotics feed on. So when we look at something like a prebiotic fiber, again, we're looking at those vegetables that are really, really kind of fibrous. So fennel is a great one. Celery is a great one. Um, there's a product called tiger nuts, which are actually a little tuber. They're really, really full of something called resistant starch. You can go down another route and make, you can buy resistant starch powders. You can change the form of starches by freezing things. But really, if we're looking at getting a wide range of fibrous vegetables in our diet, that's enough for everybody. What I would say, however, is as with anything, with adding in probiotics to the diet, so that can be in the form of fermented foods, yogurt, kefir, um, kombucha, sauerkraut, or adding in a probiotic supplement, and the same with prebiotic supplements is you want to go slowly. So if you're going from a standard American diet of having really lots of processed foods, not a lot of vegetables, and then the next day you switch to having 10 servings of vegetables a day in a probiotic, your gut is not going to like it. You're going to find symptoms that are probably even worse than you're dealing with. So it's about doing this slowly and gradually. So maybe taking a probiotic once every other day, maybe adding in one extra serving of veggies a day and just doing it steadily, just like when you work out. So you're going to reap the benefits by building small habits on top of small habits. So now kind of looking at a little bit more kind of practical ways of, of, of incorporating kind of gut health in, into diets and things. And, and you're right. I mean, I think that the biggest take home up to this point has been that you can have, you can invest in the best food, the best supplements, and, and ultimately, quote unquote, the best nutrition. But if we're not addressing gut health, we are in effect kind of missing a link. So, you know, what are some hacks or what are some practical ways that people can, um, you know, promote gut health? So there are some really simple, inexpensive things that you can do to promote great gut health. And the first one is so simple, but it's so overlooked. And it's chew your food. This is really where the digestion process starts. And you've got two things that happen when we're chewing our food. We have a chemical breakdown of the from the enzymes in our saliva. And we also have the mechanical breakdown of breaking down that food into smaller pieces with your teeth. And you know, I eat my breakfast on the tea twice a week. We're all guilty of rushing our meals, eating on the go, eating in the car. 
But really, if we're not taking those steps to really break down our food to start with, we're giving our guts such a harder job. You know, we're not meant to be swallowing huge particles of food. That's not what the gut does. We want to really start thinking about those first steps. So that super, super simple thing to do is chew your food well. And then when we're looking at food choices, it's really looking at food in its most natural form. So as I say, when I'm first working with people, I like them to go gluten-free, dairy-free, as sugar-free as possible. But even just adding in things like more vegetables, adding in some fermented foods, looking at something like a plain yogurt, possibly a goat or sheep yogurt, kind of getting that dairy out to start with. And dairy is really challenging for the digestive system because it has big fat molecules. So when you go to something like a sheep or goat, they have smaller fat molecules, which makes it easy to digest. Maybe adding in something like a kimchi or a sauerkraut, having a little bit of fermented foods in there. And you can buy sauerkraut from Trader Joe's. And again, it's just doing this slowly. So chewing your food, adding in a little bit of fermented foods, upping your veggies, which is a super cheap and easy way to do it. Thinking about fiber in different terms. So possibly, you know, adding some oats to your smoothie instead of having a sandwich or having some quinoa, some brown rice instead of that slice of bread. So think about the things that are going to give your gut a little bit of a workout. I definitely say drinking more water is a great thing for gut health. Looking at stress and sleep is another one as well. So if you're stressed out, that's a huge component of gut health. Not sleeping, you're not going to be able to let your body do the work where it's healing the gut, healing those muscles, and also looking at overtraining. Your overtraining is a huge aspect of gut health, and I see it in a lot of my clients. And we often see that kind of endurance athletes and endurance runners have really, really poor gut health. So looking at that training and making sure that training is smart and effective and you're not overtraining. So building upon that, is stress going to have an impact on gut health? Stress is going to have a huge impact on gut health and it's going to have a huge impact on health um, whatsoever. So really just some kind of keeping your stress in check, making sure you're having some sleep, you know, a little bit of meditation, maybe some deep breathing. I find that something that I do when my gut is, when I'm having some gut health issues is just lying on my back on the floor, having my hands over my stomach and just breathing into my hands and just kind of getting myself into, there's a reason why it's called rest and digest and fight and flight. And when we're super stressed out, our cortisol levels go high and our body stops dealing with stuff that it doesn't need to deal with. So when we're stressed out, digestion is one of the things that kind of is lacking. When we're stressed out, our body doesn't prioritize digestion. So there's a reason why it's rest and digest. So getting enough sleep, lowering those stress levels is really going to help with digestion. And that's really fascinating. I think the fact that you just said that kind of opened my eyes. I mean, I've had some other coaches and practitioners, um, colleagues that have been on this podcast and that I've had you know, countless meetings with, and they always extol the virtues of pop, proper breathing mechanics. So you know, from a strength and conditioning standpoint, PRI, you know, derived from the Postural Restoration Institute, has really uh, opened a lot of doors, and it's promoting this parasympathetic state. To your point, this, this rest and digest. It's fascinating that these things can be linked and that all these systems clearly have an impact. And it only makes me appreciate this holistic approach that you clearly adopt to not only training, but nutrition as well. Um, one other question that I just wanted to ask you before it completely slips my mind is, you know, thinking to some of the athletes that I work with at Velocity, particularly football players, high school athletes. 
you know, quite a few of them have discovered, of course, protein and whey protein supplements. Uh, you know, you talked about chewing and how important that is for digestion. Uh, are there any negative impacts if people are having too much of a liquid diet? And I tend to see some of the younger athletes maybe fall victim to this. They don't eat meals. They just figure they can get everything in a shake. I think, I mean, like anything, you really want to be that real food is as best as you can. Now, I have nothing against protein shakes. We have them as part of our diet. But they should be, you look at them as a supplement, so they shouldn't be a replacement for real food. And as I said, when we eat the real food, our body has such a different reaction to it to start with. So our body sees that as real food, it assimilates it better. Everything that we look at that's a powder or a capsule, it is a supplement. It should be a supplement to a good diet. So while I'm not anti-protein shakes, they should never be mistaken for real meals and you know athletes clients will see better gains for want of a better word when they're eating real food because it's stimulated by the body it's how we're made do i have an issue with protein shakes not at all um and even whey protein can be great for the right person so again whey protein is something that i would you know it's a byproduct of dairy it's something that i would take out for a client to start with if they were having gut issues but i would put it back in again if their gut has healed if they want to stay away from dairy, there are some great vegan or plant-based protein sources out there, especially kind of a hemp or a pea, which can do the same things, but is gonna be more gentle on the digestive system. And if I'm doing something like that, especially if I'm working with an athlete, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna combine that plant-based protein with some L-glutamine, so we're getting more of a complete amino acid profile in there. Hmm. Really fantastic insight. So I guess in kind of wrapping this up, kind of looking at practical applications. So, you know, we discussed the need for things like fermented foods and, you know, removing uh, products like dairy and gluten from the diet, at least from an initial standpoint, seeing how the body reacts. Now, trying to make this as practical as possible and looking at it from my standpoint, which is someone that cannot cook, uh, that is, I guess, culinary challenged is, is a polite way of putting it. You know, are there any resources that you would recommend? I mean, I know for a fact you've been working on, for instance, you know, cookbook and, and programs. Are there places we can look to, to bridge this gap and, and still be able to eat quality foods but feel better? So there's a few things that I would say. I mean, I have a, if it's something that someone really wants to get into, I have a 28-day gut health program, which is really looking at, it starts with a gentle elimination diet. And then it starts by putting those foods back in again. So over the course of 28 days, we're gonna take out any of those foods that could be trigger foods, give your gut a chance to heal, and then start to put those trigger foods back in again just to see what works for you and what doesn't. And then in between all of that, we're putting in a lot of the healing foods, a lot of the gut healthy foods, adding in some more probiotic and prebiotic fiber, that kind of thing. Um, always be careful when you're researching stuff on the internet, as we know, um, the Polycon website, which is polycongroup.com, has got some fantastic articles on there. Um, there's some recipes and articles on my website, which is jenniferhanway.com. Um, but it's really a lot of gut health is just common sense as well. So there's real common sense things that we can all do. Chew our food, drink more water, relax a little bit more, and eat a whole non-processed diet. Excellent. And before we officially go, any other pieces of advice or anything you just want to add in terms of how we can all just live better and feel better? Um, my biggest things would be simply to eat more vegetables and sleep better and don't stress out so much. All right. Well, 
Jennifer, it is an honor and a privilege to have you. Uh, I look forward to having you again as a guest on this podcast. Uh, That's us for today, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, and fantastic day.